Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Hi, this is Colin McEnroe. We've never done this before. I don't even know exactly what to call it. So I'm calling it a special emergency first responder edition of The Nose. The Nose is our weekly cultural roundtable where typically on a Friday of a Friday, we might be talking about something similar to the incident which transpired at the Oscars on Sunday night between Will Smith and Chris Rock. But obviously, we can't wait all the way till Friday to talk about it. In fact, people are not going to want to hear about it in another 24 hours. So we're going to do this right now. It's for podcast listeners only, so that's why you're listening to it and somebody else isn't. Let me tell you who's with us. Jacques Lamar, a playwright and director of client services at Buzz Engine. Sean Murray is a stand-up comedian, writer, and the host of the Nobody Asked Sean podcast. Vivian Nabetta is director of marketing and public relations for Capital Community College and over the years has been kind of the queen of our Oscar broadcast. But we didn't do an Oscar broadcast this year, so we get to have her now anyway. Okay, so here we go. We're going to talk about this, but in order to do that, let me just remind you what happened last night. Let us hear what comedian Chris Rock said as he was getting ready to present the nominees for Best Documentary. He, as many a presenter does, took the opportunity to splash a little bit of comedy around. Here's what that sounded like. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? That was a that was a nice one. Okay, I'm out here. Uh oh, Richard. <laughs> oh wow, wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. You the- my name out your fucking mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a GI Jane jump. Keep my wife's name. Out your fucking mouth! I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I could, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Okay. So we are here to uh, give a documentary out, to give an if you just heard a Japanese voice, that's because the only way you can get this is by a foreign language feed or a foreign feed of some kind. And last night, Twitter lit up pretty quickly with the Japanese TV feed and the Australian TV feed. In none of those was any of the language bleeped, so you could actually get the context of what was happening. Otherwise, you were just listening to something that was muted on television. We, we kind of know what happened at that point. We know what the big thumping sound was. So just, Vivian, maybe get us started here. I mean, I don't even know what your basic take on any of this was. How did you react to to everything that unfolded there? Well, I think initially you kind of have this moment where you're like, oh, it's a joke. Mm -hmm. It felt like perhaps it was part of the show. So there was a little bit of that confusion of trying to understand this. This is a joke, right? And then there was a point where it set in and you're like, oh, no, this is this is real. So you do have that moment that 
oh, this was captured on live television. And I think at least that was what it was for me. And I remember asking, is this for real? Did that really happen? Oh, it did? And so once that moment kind of passed, then it was, you know, for me, like thinking about my, my reaction to it and then looking at other people's reaction to it. And there are a lot of interesting takes to say the least. And I think there's a lot of levels and layers that aren't discussed yet. I mean, obviously no one's going to sit here and say that that was Will's shining moment. But I think there's a lot of things that that have come out of this discussion that have been enlightening, I suppose, and, and maddening in other ways. That's beautifully put. So, Sean, let's start also with the comedian's perspective here. I mean, I, I think what Chris Rock thought was that that was a joke. People expect him to say things that are jokes. He expects them not to take him utterly seriously. And I think in general, he expects people not to punch him or slap him or smack him. So I don't know. As a comedian, how, how did you read that whole exchange? Well, I could tell immediately that it wasn't a joke. Like, you know, a lot of people thought instantly that it was like, oh, this is maybe a bit that they're doing. And I was like, oh, no, this is definitely not a joke just by Chris Rock's response. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was it's tough because, you know, like that's just the last thing you would ever want to happen. It's just, it sets a bad precedent. Not to say that that's going to be happening in comedy clubs all over the place now, but it's just like, you don't want, that's the last thing you would ever want to happen to you as a comedian on stage for a joke that I, I, he felt was harmless enough that Will was laughing at it as he said it. So it was, it was an interesting turn of events. It was, it was tough to see. I, and Chris Rock's one of my favorite comedians. I didn't want to see that happen to him. Whatever else you may think about what Chris Rock said and, and the response that it elicited, he gets a certain amount of respect, I think, for just pulling himself back together pretty quickly. And then, you know, I mean, not in vintage, highly confident Chris Rock style, but in a serviceable manner, getting through the documentary award presentation. Uh, and and I don't think I don't know that I necessarily could have done that right after having been, you know, forcefully struck by Will Smith, who really seemed like he was kind of putting his hips into the slap, too. So, Jacques, you should complete complete our triangle of commentators. What was your whole take on this? I was not watching the Oscars last night. And <laughs> so I saw on, on, I think, Twitter first the, was that real or, or not, volley of messages that first started. And then once you saw the Japanese or Australian recordings of it, and you could hear Will Smith's rage once he was back in his seat, that that was no joke. I mean, there was a joke that preceded it, but his response to it was no joke. And, you know, my initial reaction was that was out of line. And then seeing people process it today has been fascinating. And trying to come to my own opinion on what went down has been complicated. And I appreciate this conversation. Right. I want to say on a personal level that this, I was watching the Oscars with my son and he and I were having one of our usual father and son arguments about God knows what, but it was actually getting kind of heated. It was probably about three topics at once because that's kind of how we argue. And suddenly this happened and it kind of saved the evening for us (laughs) because we immediately stopped arguing about that and started discussing what was going on here. And he knew an awful lot more background information uh, Mm -hmm. about the Smiths than than I did, which kind of helped me understand some other things that might have been going on here. But to that point, Vivian, you said a few minutes ago, well, there are some layers to this, some of which have been talked about and some of which have not been talked about. So pick a layer or two and and share share them with us. 
Okay. And I think that one of the layers that I think that is interesting or that, that people should be considering, I think that for folks who just watch the show and maybe only know Will Smith and only know Chris Rock through this interaction, that there, there was some history behind this. In the past, Chris had made a joke about Jada. I believe it was a 2016 award show when he hosted. And at the time it was around, not that it's gone, but the Oscar so white discussion. And there were a lot of black performers and brown performers that chose to not go or be participating in, in the Oscars that year in protest of the lack of, of inclusivity within that. And Jada was one of the folks and he was hosting and he did make a joke at her expense and, and at Rihanna's expense too. <laughs> and I think that that's something that isn't really discuss when you're having this conversation. I think that some of the other layers that are missing, and I'm going to kind of be honest with you, when I got the invitation, when I was asked if I wanted to do this, I had a little bit of hesitation because I believe that some of this is also a within a community, particularly the, a Black community. There's some conversations within that that are layers, and some of the folks who are not familiar with what's happening you, and so it made, it felt a little complicated. So I'm trying to pick a layer. One of the layers is that this is not the first time he's kind of made that joke, mm. a, a joke at Jada. And I think that he also, the fact that he made a joke about a black woman in a crowd full of white people, would he have made that joke about, let's say, a Jessica Chastain or an Anne Hathaway. So those are the kind of the, the history and then that kind of levels and layers. Would you make that same joke? Would you have would you have gone up if that had been Ricky Gervais? Would you have gone up and done what you've done? But again, that history might not be there. So I'm I'm trying to kind of parse all of these things out and and process them in my head, but I do think that unless you know this kind of background, that moment feels like just a moment and it was a moment, but there are are other angles. Yeah, I said earlier today in a broadcast that, I mean, if that strategy that Will Smith employed were employed by people to deal with Ricky Gervais every time he said something really offensive and kind of outrageous while hosting the Golden Globes, I mean, you'd have, you'd have to have like EMTs there on the set because he'd be getting hit every three minutes. And to that point, Sean, I mean, we can't expect everybody to sign up for the same set of values, but there is kind of a sense in these award shows that the hosts and the presenters are going to kind of roast other people. I mean, there were numerous other things, jokes that were made by by the three hosts that were not necessarily kind or sensitive to the feelings of others, the way jokes tend not to be. Regina Hall, come to it, made a joke that was pretty obviously a joke about the Smiths' non-monogamous marriage earlier in the broadcast, which may have also started making the tensions rise at the table they were sitting at. But, but Sean, I mean, there's sort of a sense about, first of all, whether you're in a comedy club or watching somebody like Chris Rock, who's a pretty transgressive comic, host the Oscars or present at the Oscars, that some of the normal rules of civility may be somewhat suspended, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, it depends, a lot of it is dependent on what you feel how severe you felt that joke was. Now, there's a lot of people have brought up the fact that Jada Pinkett Smith suffers from alopecia, and that's part of the reason why she has uh, her haircut that short. A lot of people made the assumption that, oh, like, whoa, he must know that Jada has that uh, alopecia, which, like, I didn't know that Jada had alopecia, and I have a lot less going on than Chris Rock, so I'm sure <laughs> it's possible that he didn't know either. And the alopecia aside, 
it depends on how harmful you thought that joke truly was. The joke is G.I. Jane 2. Like, if that's, like, I don't know. It's like, Demi Moore is a very attractive woman who starred in a movie where she had a low haircut. It's not like he compared Jada to Sloth from Goonies. So it, it seems like a weird um, leap to consider it like this incredibly transgressive act against an ailing woman when it was sort of a joke that most of the people seemed in the room seemed to laugh at, Will Smith included. So it was, I don't know, it's, just, it's, just, it's odd. I do think you, you're sort of expected to just have a little bit of a thicker skin at those award shows. But even among a lot of the jokes that I've seen on different award shows, I think that's like, not one of the the most mean spirited ones I've seen. No, there were some other pretty mean jokes last night. Yeah, who somebody's about to talk? Go ahead. No, I was just saying that also too. But I think in the case with whether or not he knew about her condition, I, I do want to to point out that the Crown Act just passed what like last week. Somebody quote me. Somebody who knows better than me, and, and that there is and there has been and continues to be a discussion about black women and their hair and how they're treated. And he did good hair. He did a whole documentary about black women and their hair. So even if he didn't know, and I'm certain for sure, obviously, he didn't think that it was, I don't know this man, so obviously I'm projecting, but um, I'm not saying that he expected the reaction that he got, but he's also very smart. So he understands the joke that he was trying to make, whether it came out that way or not. But I, I, I do want to point out that there is an understanding of what whether he knew about Jada or not, that there was an understanding about black women and what that means in terms of making a joke about her hair and how she looked. People were saying she's beautiful and she's a beautiful woman, just for the yeah. record, yes. And he wasn't making a comparison to something ugly, but so I do want to to point that out. But I, I think that in terms of dynamics, he he understands a bit about what that meant. Right. So I mean I Jacques, I, I think also, I mean the stuff that Vivian's saying is obviously very, very interesting, but to me there's still a little bit of gap of a gap. I mean, no matter how much you decide, well, you know, this is something that Chris Rock is saying to a black woman in front of an audience full of white people, and, and that there are ways in which this kiss, kicks trip wires that some of us may be less keenly attuned to. You know, I mean, that could be an argument for saying, well, Chris Rock was out of line, you know, or Chris Rock shouldn't have said that, or that was in bad taste, or whatever. To me, there's still a pretty big distance to be traveled between there and walking up on stage and hitting Chris Rock. I mean, there seems to be like other ways to deal with people who've done things in bad taste. Yeah, I mean, especially, uh, you know, um, Vivian and I kind of pregame this conversation. And, and I was saying as a person who works in theater, a person who writes comedy, there is a certain sense of a, you know, quote unquote, safe space. And this is this is Hollywood's most formal evening. There's a certain expectation of a level of, decorum but at the same time you know we don't know had will smith talked to chris rock before and said my wife's off limits you know was there some something you know that crossed a line that we don't know so i you know as much as i want to condemn the action and you know will we be having the same conversation if he knocked chris out flat cold if it was a punch instead of a slap, if Chris Rock fought back. And to my mind, if someone else from the audience who wasn't a nominee walked out and committed that act of violence, would they have been removed from the theater instead of giving a standing ovation within an hour? 
Well, that um, that brings it, us to the next moment here. Okay, so you know what happened. Of course, after this, there was you know a little bit of a consternation. I think that one of the close to next things that happened was that P. Diddy, who turns out to be the Anthony Blinken of show business, came out and and said, you know, we introduced. I think maybe the in memoriam thing. I could be wrong about that. Correct me if I am, but I think he was introducing the in in memoriam segment. Which is also sort of weird because the first in memoriam thing they were going to do was going to be Sidney Poitier, of course, whose slap scene in the, heat of, in the heat of the night is one of the most famous and startling moments for me, anyway, in the history of film. But but anyway, P. Diddy also said something to the effect that in terms of what just went down, we're going to settle it at the after party like family, which I thought was very nice. But then everybody knew, everybody knew beyond most shadows of most doubts that one of the next things that was going to happen was that Will Smith was going to win Best Actor. He was the odds-on favorite to do this. That's what happened. Let's hear. This is a montage, I believe, from his acceptance speech. Richard Williams um, was a fierce defender of his family. (laughs) I'm being called on in my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people. And I know to do what we do, you gotta be able to take abuse, you gotta be able to have people talk crazy about you In this business, you got to be able to have people disrespecting you. And you got to smile and you got to pretend like that's okay. I want to apologize to the Academy. I want to apologize to all my fellow nominees. Um, Thank you. Uh, I hope the Academy invites me back. Thank you. So talk about layers, Vivian. So many mm-hmm. weird things going on inside that speech, and certainly not quite the speech he was probably planning to give when he was getting dressed to go out that evening. But well, no, we'll, probably yeah. not. But, but share some thoughts. Well, I think there's a you know kind of going back to levels and layers. I think part of this discussion that, at least for me, when I'm thinking about what happened, these are two grown men in terms of, and I don't mean it in a kind of a heteronormative, like masculine sort of way. And so when we're having this discussion, to a certain degree, it is it is of two equals. And it wasn't like, again, I'm sure Will, even in his own speech, and people have their thoughts on it and thought that perhaps, you know, it was a bit performative and people can think what they want. But these are two men. And so when you were talking about uh, Diddy, we call him Diddy now, because yeah. he likes to change his name. But Diddy was like, we're going to deal with it, deal with this like family. That was that part of the discussion. And that was part of the layers that I was talking about. And I'm sure some of the folks on here have seen that clip during the commercial break where Denzel talks to Will. And so that's what I'm talking about, that intra-community. And the, speci- the reason why Diddy said that was, we're going to get past this. We're going to have a conversation in the back. So all the stuff that we know that you don't know, it's, it's going to be squashed and we're going to figure it out. So when we consider this is something that happened between two men, it was something that happened within a certain community. And it was also something that was unexpected. You put all that together and you kind of come up with where we are now. 
listen, Will, Will Smith's career, he's not going to be blacklisted. He will be fine. Chris Rock will be fine. And I don't mean on either end to be dismissive, meaning that what happened doesn't matter. I'm just saying in terms of their professional careers, they're already cemented enough that this is not going to be necessarily the end all and be all. And some of the discussion that was interesting to me when he was accepting the award, and I understand that to a certain degree, there was a discussion about when you get the award and when these incidents happen, but it brought back a lot of discussions about Roman Polanski, Woody Allen, and some other folks who have, what word do I want to use? Interesting histories, maybe that's not the word I want to use, who are also award winners. And so the category to to which Will is being put in compared to, you know, like a Harvey Weinstein, that there's a lot of discussion happening there. Like, yes, you know, this moment happened unexpectedly, but are we going to treat him the same way we would treat a Harvey Weinstein? Yeah, I'm not sure how analogous. I mean, I don't, first of all, Harvey Weinstein I don't a, think it's an, a I monster. agree with, I don't think it's analogous. Yeah. But I noticed that that's also some of this conversation as well, which was, to be honest with you, I wasn't expecting it to take that turn. Yeah. So, Sean, I'm going to ask you a fairly serious question about this, too. It's something that I've thought a lot about but haven't really tried to express in anywhere so far. And actually, I thought one of the most interesting and self-aware things, probably the most interesting and self-aware thing that Will Smith said in that acceptance slash apology speech was, Art imitates life. I look like the crazy father, just like they said. <laughs> I look like crazy father, just like they said about Richard Williams. Um, and, and when he said that, I thought, wow, you know, we've just been through a week where a bunch of white Republican senators tried to make a very bright and distinguished jurist, black woman jurist, look bad any way they could, tried to rattle her, tried to bait her, you know, and she got through that whole week and she never rose to the bait and she never lost her composure. She she handled these pestilential people with aplomb. But there's a lot of that that goes on in society, which I think is one of the points that, that Vivian is is making or implying, a lot of that kind of thing that goes on. And to me, I was looking at Smith and thinking, you, know, you kind of wrote the script for, for, for the Ben Shapiros and the Jordan Petersons and this whole kind of you know right-wing media apparatus that often will try to diminish or minimize, A, the quote-unquote Hollywood elite, who they claim to hate, and B, prominent black Americans. This wasn't a great thing from that point of view. I mean, this this is going to get used by people less well-meaning than us for not very good purposes. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, as a black person, these are conversations we have all the time about, like, your how you're perceived by the outside world uh you know by, by by white people you know what i mean and i think it's a matter of like i think in the case of the ben shapiro's and, and whoever else they were going to like they felt that way already that's like just like <laughs> confirmation bias mm-hmm. or whatever. You know what I mean? it's not gonna mm-hmm. it's like so i think a, a lot of times you know black people feel like like i i'm not gonna like edit my behavior just to escape the sort of negative opinions of people who would probably think negatively of, of me anyway and are trying trying actively to find as many ways to think of me negatively anyway. That being said, yeah, they're gonna look at you as an angry black man because you just slapped the guy on TV. You're like, I don't it's kind of um like it's like you 
like you could have you could have not slapped him. You could have pulled him aside afterwards and said, "Hey, man, you know what I mean?" Because even going back to the um, prior comments with Jada at the 2016 Oscars, that that incident was Jada Will Smith basically boycott the Oscars that year because he didn't get a nomination for Concussion, a movie that he thought he he should have won an Oscar for. And I think Jada or no Will Smith didn't get nominated, so Jada said they were boycotting the Oscars. Chris Rock's joke was. You can't boycott the Oscars because you weren't invited, and he and he's like, um, that'd be like me boycotting Rihanna's panties, like like you know you weren't invited. I wasn't invited to begin with, so like the the idea that there was like some sort of like sinister history between like you know some, some contentious history between Chris and Will or the Smith family and Chris Rock, I don't know. It's it's an odd thing, but like if there if that was there, you knew that going into the night. Chris Rock was announced as one of the presenters weeks ago, so that's something you have to like. You have to prepare yourself for the, the possibility that something might be said about you and handle yourself accordingly. I'm not going to say, like, he was, like, it's a complicated thing. Should, I don't think he should have slapped him. You can't say, like, you, you have to, though we live in a world where you have to expect that that is a possibility. But I don't think anyone thought it was going to happen at the Oscars, which is part of the reason why Chris Rock stood there laughing and smiling as Will Smith was approaching him. Because he probably <laughs> thought Will Smith was just going to, like, put him in a headlock or like something funny. And, and instead he... Smack them across the face. So we're kind of we're kind of exceeded our self imposed time limit a little bit here. So I need to wrap this up. But Jacques, you know, you said at the beginning you, you've written comedy. I've written comedy. Sean's a comedian. It, this one thing this did was it kind of reminds you that uh, comedy is going to be transgressive, and, and it's it's hard to do comedy and to never be mean. You know, there's something just implicitly, you know, something about comedy that requires you occasionally to make people uncomfortable. And in some cases, that's almost all comedy is, for particularly for some comedians. But it did sort of remind me, there is some kind of weird gray area that we're living in, in the world of comedy, where, you know, not everybody has signed up for exactly the same set of values. I don't even know what question I'm asking, except that, I don't know, did it make you think about, like, material that you've written for some comedy performers or for your plays? Like, maybe I need to think a little bit more carefully about how this is going to land? Oh, absolutely. And I'm in the midst of writing three different pieces right now, and it requires a level of self-editing. You know, I think coming from a, a position of white privilege where, you know, it's like you you don't stop and think about this may make me laugh, this may make some people in the audience laugh, but at the same time, those laughs can be happening at a cost to someone. And there's that part of you that doesn't necessarily want to have to rein in your art, but at the same time, you know, I, I think that there's you know, it forces us as comics and writers to be more creative, to see if there's a way to kind of find humor that doesn't necessarily happen at an expense. I mean, it's one thing to be writing something like Don't Look Up, right? Something that's very pointed comedy that's trying to make a certain, you know, political statement versus my writing I Loved, I Lost, I Made Spaghetti and trying to create a fun evening out at theater. And so my initial reaction to the joke that Chris Rock made was like, exactly how hurtful is it? And then, you know, hearing someone who's, you know, a black woman like Vivian saying, this is why that was hurtful is illuminating to me. And it's like, once that joke's out in the room, it's hard to take it back. 
that's very, very well put, I think. I mean, on the other hand, yes, you know, we we, we still like comedy be, to be unruly and unpredictable, and it will occasionally wound. Yeah, <laughs> although I have to say, you know, it like Ricky Gervais's meanness was such a turnoff to me. You know, that, that you know, there is a certain amount of fun in watching the air let out of the tires of these people who are celebrating themselves. But at the same time, it is a celebration. And so it's like Don Rickles times three sometimes (laughs) with, with modern comedians. And so I think not that, you know, I would want to tell Sean, for example, you know, you need to now change your act for fear of someone coming up on stage and belting you when they don't like what they hear. Um, but at the same time, you know, is this going to cause a moment for comedy writers to stop and say, is the joke worth the literal punchline? <laughs> well, that was- but is there really going to be an epidemic of, you know, of people getting punched at comedy clubs? I mean, I'm not I know that nobody's. Yeah. But what was the, what was the consequence yeah. for Will Smith last night? The consequence was an Oscar and a standing ovation. Right. So we don't know yet. We don't know. I mean, hopefully people will not take this as kind of permission or some kind of modeling behavior. But we're going to have to stop there. So grateful to all three of these wonderful panelists who took time from their day and on very short notice to do a special emergency first responder knows episode. Jacques Lamar, playwright, director of client services at Buzz Engine. Sean Murray, stand-up comedian, writer, and the host of Nobody Asked Sean podcast. Vivian Nabetta, so great to get the queen of our Oscar show every year on the air. Even though we didn't do an Oscar <laughs> show, you. I feel as though at least one injustice has been corrected. Uh, thanks, I, all. I wanted to be the queen of the Oscar show, but if it had to be anyone else, it right. should be Vivian. Yeah, well, I you obviously talk to her people. See, see if you can work out some kind of co-queen deal. Uh, <laughs> but in, meanwhile, we have to say goodbye. Thanks to Jonathan McPants for producing this uh, extra episode. Thanks to Cat Pastor for technically producing it. And goodbye to all of you. 